hello, hello. Welcome to More Media Records Off The Air Podcast. I'm Christian. I'm Lauren. I'm Matt. And uh, if, if you want to join our little group here, talk about music, you know, just be around some like-minded people that like music, uh, come down to More 182, uh, Thursdays at 7. And yeah, it's, it's a great time. You should show up. Come on down. So uh, today, this episode, right, we, uh, we're talking about instrumental albums and like just producers in general and just like what they contribute to the music landscape. And I don't know, I, I know a lot about pro- producers. I'm a huge hip hop fan, as you guys know, and that's kind of like very ingrained into the culture. So, I mean, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts and who are your guys' favorites. Well, so obviously we're getting a nod to the people behind the studio and really the ones that are like, okay, you're a big group. Let's make you sound good. But, um, you know, like the first that comes to my mind being a classic rock fan is like George Martin. Cause he had the musical expertise also worked a lot with orchestras. So he knew how to, uh, in a physical sense at the time, how to mic things up, how to put a whole band in a room together, have them all shine through the mic and not have it sound like garbage. Yeah. So there, that aspect's amazing. And then, of course, as things go on and on, especially when you're talking about hip hop, it's way more about how can I use samples? How can I use this kind of instrument? How can I, you know, especially with like classic DJ scratching being a brand new thing in the 90s or actually it was late 80s. But, uh, you know, just like it's so much more than just, OK, how do I set up a mic? And that's definitely where. There's some really it good is. producers. I mean, uh, especially like now, I mean, what you're just saying, like the uh, like producing is more of artistry than it is actually like just creating and recording a song at this point. It's it's almost like you have two sides of the coin, like you've got your artists actually like singing and doing their lyrics. And then you've got the producer making the beats and like actually selling it because I mean, I know, I know you have said before that when you first listen to music, you listen to, like, the sonics and the instrumentals oh, first. Oh, totally, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, I mean, like, where, where I'm coming from, like, uh, like, I do the exact same thing, but where I'm coming from is, like, you you have to lend lend some credit to the producer for getting you, like, engrossed in the song, you mm-hmm. know? Sure, you know sure. I mean? mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think that, like, too, there's this new movement of, producers singers songwriters everything all in one once again the age of the internet that's like a crazy new thing where people are producing their own beats and just blowing up on the internet for their beats and then going on to produce other people yeah but um i don't know very much about producing and hip-hop at all i'm not someone that like does research into that and i'm honestly just starting to dive into hip-hop as like a genre thoroughly Mm -hmm. as of this year well even before the whole stuff with hip-hop you know you got people like quincy jones who did thriller he did a bunch of stuff with aretha franklin celine dion um like that kind of producer is someone that also knows how to take a lot of samples and different sounds especially with thriller there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there um so it's like mostly i would say most famous producers are the ones that you don't know about but when you look them up you're like oh you're on like every hit song Yeah. yeah like Something that was interesting that I was looking up was uh, artists that don't actually write their own songs most of the time. It's either produced by a completely different company person or written by different people. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but some that I found that were kind of interesting was Elvis, Elton John, Whitney Houston, Rihanna, and like Celine Dion. And 
for the most part, I looked at like Whitney Houston. She didn't write like ninety percent of her songs. Yeah. Like yeah. the the song "I Will Always Love You" was actually a um, cover. Mm-hmm. It's Dolly Parton. Yeah. Yeah, and like I didn't know that. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I get it. She has an amazing voice, but in some way, like you know, as we are, like Lauren said, we're getting into an internet age where your personality is more sellable than just your voice, and you know, just being okay. I want to buy this album. It's becoming this thing that's like. You know, now I look at Whitney Houston, and I'm like, well, now you're just kind of like a like a shell of what I thought you were. I yeah. guess, but I don't think that that necessarily is the case. For Rihanna and Elton John both, I knew these. Yeah, and those were very also less extreme. Whitney yeah. Houston, I knew about too, um, to a degree. But with Rihanna, I know that generally there's this like circle of females in pop music from the early 2000s to now in which music just gets sent around, basically. And people will demo it. And if it's like, it fits, it fits. Songs will go to Rihanna, then Beyonce, then Lady Gaga, then whoever. And if it fits, it fits, like I said. But um, going back to Elton John, like, have you seen Rocket Man? I mean, like, do you know the king? No, I mean, yeah. like, obviously his lyricist is someone different. And um, he produces all the music himself. He, he was able to, like, create a lot of yeah. the music. He, I mean, he he's made. not a puppet in, like, the same way, I like, back in the day i would see a band like one direction come up it's like oh how did they become a group oh simon cowell just saw these guys all auditioning for you know the singing show and just said if we just put you guys together we make money and then they're like (laughs) that's more of a money thing than it is an artist thing i mean yeah you you're totally right like you're on the money like uh i especially in recent trends but i mean as you've just stated like even in past times like you see a lot of artists sacrificing their artistry for that like star power, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, that's why I'm coming here saying like, uh, like the people in the back end, the producers, the sound engineers, they just don't get enough credit. That's definitely true. Yeah. I definitely agree. And like with hip hop, there's modern stuff. I don't know, Christian, where would you like to start with this? Because I know like for me, like a big one on top of my head is like Fly Low, Flying yeah. Lotus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you guys are talking about Dr. Dre as a, you know, he's a great artist. And then as he matures, he's like, I'm going to go on the producing side, make sure that I can give a foundation to what the craft of rap yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, in with that, especially in a case like Flying Lotus, like he he's doing it for the genre too. He's doing it for mm-hmm. the culture, which is something that like you've just got to respect. And not a lot of artists really do that. I mean, if you... If I you, can name another though. I feel like that is kind right. of on that vibe. Let's it's like it. Anderson Pack. I feel okay, like he's yeah, just like yeah. phenomenal in everything we need in this world right now, which is great. I used to listen to, well, I still listen to this artist named Watsky, but when I was back in like middle school, he was releasing an album that um, was produced by Anderson Pack. And I didn't know this until like this year, but Anderson Pack was on like one track and helped produce the whole album. It's generally one of my favorite albums, but Anderson Pack, I just always find out like, Oh, he yeah. was involved in that. Exactly. He was yeah. involved in that too. Oh my and god. And that and that and that. When I when I spotted him in the Super Bowl yep. playing the drums, yep. I yep. was like, of yes. course, Aaron packs up there. Like, yeah, of course. Well, like Snoop Dogg was a because they released an album for GTA, right? Doctor oh, Dre, yeah, Snoop, Doctor Dr. Yeah, Dre, and Anderson. Yeah. Like that's just like, it's kind of hilarious how like now it's more like, you know, these guys are known as like greats in the producing world, and it's just like, you know, it's like a, one of those movies that you're just like oh get all of them to get like the expendables like let's go yeah okay i love this yeah definitely um i was gonna go back to one that i 
personally have always known as a producer, but also like has his own band with Bleachers. But Jack Antonoff is just like one of the God's top dogs in pop music producing. I would say he like creates the majority of the stuff that you hear on the radio. You would be surprised um, or is in part Mm -hmm. of the creation in a lot of the stuff that you see on the radio. And I actually just watched a television show. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but like I would actually highly recommend. It's pretty cute. High Fidelity. Starring oh, Zoe Kravitz. I got recommended that to me, and I put it on my list. Is it's it good? It's good. It's only 10 episodes, so, you know, you can blow through it like I did yeah. um, over spring break. And <laughs> it, like, it just follows a girl along her breakup journey, but it's got that's on Chef's Hulu. Kiss. That's on Hulu, right? Yes, it's on okay, Hulu. Yeah. Chef's Kiss soundtrack. Such a good soundtrack. I mean, she owns a record shop in it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, that's the whole plot line of it, but... Literally, Jack Antonoff just shows up in the middle of the TV show, produce like she goes into a rec- a studio, a recording room, yeah. and he's just there, just hanging out, <laughs> just and chilling. he's playing himself. And she's like, "I'm a big fan, Jack." He's like, "Thanks," <laughs> but he's just one of those people that I know is like always regarded yeah, when you yeah. talk about producing in pop. I mean, especially especially like in pop music, we go back to the uh, 2000s. A producer that. Literally had like, oh, I I forgot the exact figure, but it was in the 90% of uh, how many songs he actually like produced for the radio. And it's Pharrell. Yeah. Like, Mm. oh, of course. Dude was absolutely everywhere and he made a killing off the radio. Right. And in like late 2000s, early 2000s, like, dude was just on a roll. He's produced, like, he has been a part of so much music it's insane like whether it's his own something he's helping someone else with or like beats that he creates like i can't believe the amount that you can put out as a human being Mm -hmm. like as an artist yeah and i think it's a different skill right when you think of an artist that makes their own music you can see from their discography their evolution of their sound what they want to come out with and you know make their big stay in the world but then with a producer they more take a step back and say okay objectively like how can i make the song pleasing Mm -hmm. like how can we make the hook better how can we make the verse better is this bridge go on like five seconds too long that's a big thing and even with pharrell i remember seeing a video this was back when gojira came out with their uh, magma album he there i think it was just recorded i forgot which uh university it was but it's a university in new york where it's a they focus on music mixing and the one student showed their mix of like um one of the singles they did and Pharrell's just listening to it and he understands like oh this is good space this is good everything mm-hmm. and like it's a completely different genre than what you think of Pharrell Williams like you think of Happy you don't think of screaming death metal with yeah. you know huge mm-hmm. guitars but yeah uh, that's just like what a producer like 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 I said before Quincy Jones um, Mark Ronson mm-hmm. like they found ways to make things evolve like oh Amy Winehouse you remind me a lot of this kind of vocalist back in Motown era how can we find the good parts that Motown accentuate your voice into a new way that doesn't sound like, oh, is this from the 70s or something? Right, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I think that leads into like the conversation of how certain producers and certain artists coming together like really bring out the best in each other like and just make like masterclass albums. Like what I'm thinking of is Madlib, MF Doom, Mad Villainy, Madlib, Freddie Gibbs, I mean, Pinata, Bandana. Hipboy and Naz. I mean, Hipboy uh, produced the last three Naz albums, and one mm-hmm. of them got a Grammy. I know, like, is it King uh, King Ghidorah? Disease. It was King Ghidorah, I think. I, I know he's like also in the thing. I know his album. I've listened to a couple of times. It was with oh. uh, 
um, MF Doom and Mad Villain and that okay. kind of okay yeah yeah and like Tribe Called Quest because mm-hmm. that's a big also mm-hmm. like influence during that era mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and I mean it's just like you find these certain like producer artist combos and it's just like anything that those two will touch is gonna be amazing I mean I just listed off some of my favorite albums of all time like, yeah right just there. Like, I was gonna say like you know you're talking about hip hop being like your genre like i can tell this is where you're just like oh please everything yeah. everything <laughs> yeah exactly. you can feel the happiness radiating <laughs> off of you Listen, man, but, I, i've been excited to do a hip-hop episode ever since uh ever since the last time well good then i'm gonna quickly take a detour off of hip-hop oh, so you're okay. talking about instrumentals uh this was for me like i guess it's instrumental albums in general um one that i was big into way back in the day during late middle school early high school was uh dream theater and their kind of uh prog metal like really big stuff but they were also known to have like an instrumental track which like among the fans was like oh there's an instrumental track this is fantastic yeah. because all of the musicians are pretty much like well known like they went to berkeley college in boston they're like master classes and their entire instrument like the bass player is insane the drummers are insane <clears throat> guitarist is insane and what was great was during a lull when Dream Theater was happening in the late 90s, they did a thing called Liquid Tension Experiment that was uh, pretty much is just an instrumental album, and they had Tony Levin as the bassist. But it was... Uh, Tony Levin? Remind me who that is. Shoot. The name sounds very familiar. He's a, he's a famous yeah. older bassist, and I know... I think it was from, like, a different prog band. Um, Lauren's doing the research, thank uh, God. Yeah. She's on it. But, Get on it. <laughs> uh, it's like when you say like instrumentals, that album, uh, that Liquid Tension Experiment, they did uh, one and two in like span of two years. And then they came out with a third album during COVID. So like when they were much older, but they're like, yeah, let's just do this again. Yeah, that's a big yeah. leap. And it's, it's something where instrumentals where I would say, depending on, I love instrumental music, like when it comes from classical to jazz. But a big thing for me is how well does it work if you put lyrics into the song? Mm. And I think for Liquid Tension Experiment, especially, it's a lot of craziness. It's a lot of stuff happening. It's like, they still have song structure, but whereas I think some hip-hop instrumentals, they're great. They sound great and they sound groovy, but it feels like they're meant to have lyrics on top of it. Okay, yeah, I I was just about to ask where you were going to go with that. And um, I agree to a certain point because... What I'm hearing for an instrumental song is how, like, full and complete that the track sounds. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're losing the vocal, like a, well, vocalist, but you can still have vocal samples fill in the Well, fill as humans, we want a person talking because that's our, what we hang on to yeah, for the song. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's basically just, like, how 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 well does it keep me engaged without the mm-hmm. vocals, you know? Right. Which, I mean, I, I feel like... I mean, at least with, uh, in the case of J. Dilla Donuts, like, it does it fantastically. I mean, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Are we at the point where we're ready to get into the oh, album Oh, yes, please. Just give me the fact check. Where was okay, so the fact it? check, I didn't want to break in when it was inappropriate, oh, please, but please. Peter Gabriel and King Crimson. Oh, and then also, oh, he King was Crimson, on yeah. um, Pink Floyd's first album. So Wait, was he? He was? Yes. Yeah. As a... With just, oh, like, a step-in basis? Um... In 1987, Levin played the bass and Chapman stick parts on Plink Lloyd's first album after the departure oh, of Roger Waters. Oh, in a momentary lapse of reason. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's when Roger yeah. Waters was doing his own thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, well. So, 
Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm the new Jamie oh. or whatever. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to have to do all the research. Oh, no. Um, uh, but yes, I'm I would excited. love to hear all of these opinions on donuts because okay. I all right. liked it a lot. Yeah. Did you? I did. did. You? I, I, you got a glimpse of my take, but I would love to hear. Because, no, honestly, I love this type of music. It's the best. When I think of it, I think of cracking open a tall boy, playing frisbee golf in a nice, like, 70-degree day. It's this time music. Listen to Tribe Called Quest that way. Really? Listen to, yep, a lot of... That's, okay, that's a, a fun Because I didn't know rap. My friend expect. showed me rap when we did that, and I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. Let's do okay. that sometime, man. That, that sounds cool. Now that's actually like warm up, hell yes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of disc golf around here, too, so it can work. For me personally, like, I don't really know anything about instrumental music. I didn't get very into it at any point or mixing or like someone that's just kind of sampling and taking tracks and making their own beats i'm not really like a hip-hop head or anyone that um spent a lot of time researching this stuff so like listening to jay dilla's album i kind of was like this is like a new world like i'm opened up to and i kind of did further research from there I really enjoyed my first listen through, but I'm not going to lie. I was like, mm, that was a little cheesy. It was all right. It was, it was pretty good. Ooh, cheesy. Okay. I don't even know how to explain it. I was just kind of like, I get stuck in like sound loops in my head very easily and frequently. So when I hear um, mm-hmm. kind of samples that are repetitive or like will say the same thing over and over again, it'll get stuck in a loop on my head yeah. and it kind of annoys me. Speaking of loops, in this album... Uh, Jay Dilla actually pioneered like the the beat loop basically yeah. and kind of like put just made this like eight bar repeating loop and just kept it going for the entire song and that was the beat and I mean that that kind of like transferred over into a lot of other artists like uh, what we were talking about before the episode like Kanye and Common mm-hmm. uh, and those albums off like the uh, early 2000s but um I before we start talking about Dilla in this album, I kind of want to give like a little background to the oh, album. Please, please. Oh yes, I mean because okay, so great background. Jay Dilla, he was huge, prominent producer, early '90s, late 2000s, uh, like pretty much very respectable in the genre, right? Um, Detroit native, hailed hailed from Michigan. Yep. Let's go, baby. Yep, yep, yep. Um, until 2005. He uh, contracted lupus mm. and was hospital hospitalized uh, when he had pneumonia in 2005. And he made this album on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. And it came out three days prior to his death. And this was the lasting legacy that he gave of Jay Dilla. Which, I mean, whether the album was good or not, like that, that is just... That's that's why we listen to music here, like right. stories like that, you know. But uh, anyways, hot take might be, but the album was very good. I I love this album. Like, <laughs> Not so a hot much. take yeah. in my opinion, oh, but yes, the album was was, was, was very. It good. was yeah. really good. And I like, guess, okay, well, I want to get my whole thing just so it's not interrupted. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Because before the episode, I was telling him, you know, some some opinions I had about it. Just you know, little hints. And what I would say is this. The album is great. I could pop it on any time, almost any situation where you're chilling, or it's even like there's upbeat songs enough where, you know, it's not like a sleeper where someone's like, you know, it's like something going on with the music's a little little low. But there's still low enough tracks where you can sit and enjoy a beat. And I would definitely say, like, you know, 
my thing is the songs are short enough where they stay there they're perfectly timed they don't overstay their welcome they are funky fresh i love the way he uses samples yeah especially with lyrics because i've heard i um a lot of indie kind of hip-hop music i listen to that sampled they use like there's a lot of like cool record scratches into like changing words there's a lot of cool like things they pull from even like someone like daft punk they had a song called release the beast or a different group has a song called release the beast that they use for robot rock and like just the idea of taking someone's music and kind of putting a little spin on it is great and jay dilla uh, obviously a master at it he's he was one of the best at yeah. it yeah i guess where, where i'm coming in where i wouldn't put this on like a top 100 album is this feels like the perfect groundwork for ways to spice up an album like if if you're gonna mm. give me like a piece of chicken or like a steak all you really need for a steak salt pepper you need to cook it well and then you need to like from there let the ingredients shine whereas i feel like jay dilla which in the still in a great way He's just like, okay, I'm going to take every spice that's amazing and just like put it through this little experience. And whether or not it all combines in a sense that like, I guess I would say it's something that I would be like, oh, point this to. Oh, this is like as like compared to some of my favorite albums that really like had a lot of good highs and lows. This one I feel like overall is a good like chill. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if okay. I'm coming across it. I'm a little it. confused yeah. by your, because you're saying a... it's not cohesive, but at the same time, it's kind of got this oh, low oh, sorry. vibe to it. Yeah, I'm, I guess I, what I mean is yeah. like, it's cohesive, but it's not something that, uh, I guess like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not finding a way to explain this right. Are you trying to say that maybe like your highs aren't as high as you were expecting them to be? Like your hype? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that could be it. For, for me, it's more like, it's just like every song bleeds into each other, which is great because it sounds great when you listen to it like as a flow, mm-hmm. but there wasn't anything that really stood out to me as a song that was like, oh, this is Jay Dilla. As really? far as like a song, it's, I don't, it's hard because I really like it, but I also don't like love it. No, I, I see what you're saying. Like, um, It's hard to explain because I do like it. I just yeah. don't no, love I, it. Like, I, I get that. This this album is definitely like an album's album. Like you, you have to sit down and experience it like mm-hmm. all the way through the first time. But I don't agree with you when you said like there there are any like highlight tracks that aren't just like i see the really, highlights really in good. it too and and i saw the highlights after my first listen through mm-hmm. personally which i grew to like it more after multiple listen throughs mm-hmm. in yeah. all honesty which is usually the way it is with me in music but um like i said the first one i came out feeling like um yeah all right that was okay but then as i started listening more that the songs that i had picked out after my first listen through as like oh those were the top tracks continued to be like bangers and yeah. i was like oh i'll just listen to that track actually mm-hmm. which to me proves to be a good album i like it when like there are individual songs that are memorable enough for you to want to go back to them individually but as a listening experience as a whole the album is yeah. great overall and that's kind of how i felt about this one um especially with just like the samplings were so creative and outgoing and like interesting that it kept my attention. And I felt like the album itself was pretty dense, Mm. like with that many songs, but exactly like you said, the songs didn't overstay their welcome. They weren't super long. So the album wasn't like ridiculously long or anything. Um, And it kind of like wrote on that 
thing of like, oh, we're on to the next thing, we're on to the next thing. And I kind of liked that, yeah. that it was fast paced and taking me to different places quickly. Yeah, no, it was like, uh, that's, that's a really good way to put it. It was kind of like a, a showcase of not really different kind of styles, but different like just avenues that you can kind of go down with this production style, you know, because there's, I mean, there's, uh, he really experiments with like tempo and pacing with yes. this album. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of slower songs, but there's also a lot of like really upbeat songs, but he kind of keeps the same instrumentals like, consistent throughout like with the vocal samples and the uh the hard-hitting drums but i think it propels too like the album itself like propels itself forward in a way that like makes me want to get to the end like the only thing i can think to compare it to is like sometimes when i'm reading a book i don't want to like finish it there are books that i'm reading right now that i'm like propelled toward the end of Mm -hmm. and with Mm -hmm. this album it felt like that kind of experience of like well, I want to see what the very end is like, yeah. even though I know what the end is like because this is my third listen through. Mm. I still want to hear it again. I mean, speaking of the end, uh, last track being Welcome to the Show and how it, I mean, we talked about this when we did our Mac Miller Circles episode, but uh, he did it first, like the album goes full circle. like the, uh, Yeah. And like a donut. Like a donut. Yeah. Like a donut. I love the loop donut. Yeah. Uh, correlation, see, I guess. It it's, all ties in great. together because he was like, he was... He was making this whole, basically this whole new style of producing with the with the loops and it, I don't know, I, I just felt it was very ingenious the way that it kind of just came out like this. But you guys want to talk about any specific tracks? Because there's some specific tracks where well, yeah. I'm just in love I will with. say, I've heard, before I actually knew this album, because it's my first time listening to the album full through, uh, I've heard working on it like a million times. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, I've heard that's a great song. It. And it's then also Glazed, song. I know that song's fantastic. Lightworks is great. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great sample. Well, I, I would say, like, yeah, those songs, like, yeah, stuck out to me. But definitely when I was going through, I'm like, oh, I went through five songs, which isn't mm. a bad thing. I don't know. I'm yeah. Just, just yeah. Have my opinion it goes a little it. fast, but, like. I'm, I'm glad it goes fast I, because it, yeah. I, there have been so many instrumental, especially instrumental music, where it goes on too long. And you can tell it's like there's a vocal track, like, not here, mm-hmm. even if it is meant for that or not. And this the the part what's great about it is his use of samples like it adds the part we were talking about where we listening we're so used to hearing a vocalist like a human voice that that's what we grab to and he uses that in such a unique way to spin it with the music the exactly. really, it's really not like oh let's just do classic drums and bass accompaniment to you know has to be there for the voice it's how can we make the voice also in the symphony of that, swirl yeah yes. that that is a great way to put it it's like the um it's like the vocal samples are like fully integrated within the instrumentals. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's just, it sounds effortless and like really easy to do, but like the mass, like the planning and just the creativity that had to win, go into like just crafting one of these songs. And a lot of stuff you pulled from, I know in your notes you had, it was one of them was from like the Jackson five. There's a yeah, lot, yeah. a lot of samples I hear from that kind of seventies. Yeah. Era. I mean, I mean, that's honestly, that's my favorite type of hip hop, like seventies, mm-hmm. eighties, like soul samples, mm-hmm. like early Kanye, J Dilla donuts, yeah. V by common. Like that's, that's my stuff right there. Like it's really, I love the sampling in this album. I say mm-hmm. it once more, I mean, I'll say it again. It's like, like it's, it's the best part about it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, for tracks that I was thinking about mm-hmm. for like things that I highlighted the first time through the like only song that really stood out to me was time the donut of the heart which is obviously like in reference to the title of the mm-hmm. album 
and it is deserving of like the title song yeah. you know what i mean like i think it's a great jam and it brings me into a mood where i want to like continue listening through the album and it's like right at that sweet spot in the middle almost like middle first quarter area um that just kind of gives you that push and propel forward and then two songs that i picked out that i feel like some people might consider to be in like the sort of lull um was the factory followed by you love okay Okay. so like i don't know i really like the factory i know it's kind of funky weird it's got like this like it's a little bit out there. Yeah, yeah, I just picture cartoons, like, abstract, like, yellow explosions and crazy, like, tinging. And, and it put a really good picture in my head, for me, at least. Um, and it was a really cool beat. And I thought that it was, like, kind of the world turning upside down as a song, right? Okay. And then it was All followed right. directly by You Love, which is, like, such a song that I feel like you can grasp onto because... Love's in the title. Say the word love you a lot. Yeah. So you you know that it's about like a loving track. And I like immediately when I heard that, I was like, oh, and then the world stood still right after it was turned upside down. Like he had this way of storytelling through the samples, through mm-hmm. the music yeah. he created that like actually grasped me even at points when it wasn't like the very end of the album or the very beginning of the album or the title track. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's, well, definitely. that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Especially like the juxtaposition between those two tracks, because like one one is kind of more funky and the other one's like more lively and upbeat. Right. And it's like from tinny to velvet to yeah. me. Like yeah. it's very yeah. like juxtaposition. Yeah. I and mean, <laughs> the same thing we're talking about producers here. A lot of them like have to think abstractly about what makes music work. And this in the most pure form is putting music on its head. It's mm-hmm. how can we like different like the way the time flows because he's playing a lot with like scratches and different samples different tempos but he embraces that kind of chaotic energy into putting it into songs and having it flow in a way that you know like for the past you know since like uh the 50s like been used to how songs work you know especially hip-hop as a genre you know it's how how, let's flip it up let's make it funky interesting Mm -hmm. it's the street music let's Uh go exactly like i mean i think uh especially on tracks like you love like you can you can make such such like an inspiring and soulful mm. beat that i don't know that changes things up so much like uh i mean on this album i think jay dilla really like proved that music theory is really just a theory at the end of the day mm-hmm. like there's no set rules that you have to adhere to yeah because he i mean he flipped literally everything on its head i mean especially with like time cadence samples lack of vocals if you want to say that but he had a beautiful grasp on rhythm like Mm, he did the looping aspect was really cool but i think like finding the individual rhythms that he chose to like highlight throughout the album was like almost like playing a game like back and forth like you can tell like he's working with the audience to Mm -hmm. you know Here's something different. I mean, it keeps it. It keeps like the the audience like so engaged too. Yeah. Like with songs like um, Two Can Win" and "You Love" and uh, and "Buy," um, it's like you just want to keep listening because yeah, it's a little weird, but like it's so good. Like it, it just 
like sonically like if you try to pick apart like each each uh each tone and each like mix between them it's just almost impossible because it's just layered so well between like each other and it just sounds so like great and full and like complete and yeah it's the same thing well you know that comedy said like you feel like there's a sense of this audience having it saying it's weird and as someone who's always listened to more uh off you know off the grid kind of music you know to me that makes me not like love it more but it's like yeah i own this because i love the way it's not so structured exactly yeah because i've heard you know as much as um you know talking about producers before being just like great at making something sound good right beyonce might have like 30 writers just because you know of the uh profitability of being a strong artist but you know then there's also just the side of you know the same kind of artistry like there's always a new sound out there mm. and how do we find that new sound and it, like you know it's funny because when i listened to this i was like 2000 this isn't scream 2006 to me yeah because all the popular music in 2006 was very very different sounding way different and i mean also i'm not that well versed in hip-hop so don't take my word on it but i, I just i really enjoyed how much it was so different yeah, yeah. i mean it's i mean especially like for the time i mean even now this is a very unique album that you don't mm-hmm. really see like anyone kind of experimenting with the sound anymore but you can see the ripples that it had throughout the hip-hop industry and even today like uh when i was talking about earlier like um like philo uh, to me speaks out a lot yeah because yeah, he, uh-huh. he goes exactly. crazy with like jazz roots and this kind of stuff i yeah. think a lot of people um whether just listeners or creators themselves have like this kind of understood uh recognition for jay dilla especially from what i've seen on my research on the internet like these people love this album they love what he's produced over time and they love the collaborations he's done with others um and they kind of keep that in the back of their head for like how they could change the music world like you guys are saying like because there's always something new that you could do but once again that does not scream 2006 to me at all but it is 2006 somehow it was like released then and i wonder almost if like him being toward the end of his life and him like producing this music that's so experimental um kind of went hand in hand together do you yeah. know what i mean yeah, no, like no, no, i do you're going through so much at that time and i think the background like you were saying is what makes us love this music yeah. like that especially brought me more joy to listen to it for I the mean, second and third time i just i find it also just so inspiring and uplifting how someone in this situation can make a song like two can win and don't cry and you love and just like having these incredibly just like full and inspirational and just soulful music and like when your body's literally decaying and you can't even move like it's crazy from a mm -hmm. little boy who loved jazz music to like a man on his deathbed like that's the crazy artistry of someone that's in pain is like obviously what fuels all artistry that is known as like intense and beautiful mm. and emotional. I mean <sighs> art does come from emotion. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. it, it's just wrote an essay on that. Did you? <laughs> I'm over saying emotional content. Hey, you want to read right further? now? Be perfect. Yeah. No, no, uh, no, I'm good. But Christian, I guess I have a quick question for you. So as a hip hop head, where do you see Jay Dilla's legacy sitting as far as a pillar in this kind of community? What what did he uh, build on from from the previous stuff that he did in the '90s, 
what's different about donuts and how has the past maybe like 15 years have been since then have you seen his specific influence in this new age because i i would say you know my novice opinion about hip-hop and rap in the modern age is like the soundcloud rappers kind of have this whole different area and i don't know if there's a lot of influence from jay dilla to there and if they did what would you love to see you see that is a very long and multifaceted question yeah but that's just a quick uh, one no you know me yeah (laughs) no that's a great question though um so what i have to say i'm gonna go to the soundcloud stuff first Mm -hmm. um that is a very specific pocket of hip-hop and i mean there is a lot of subgenres within Mm hip-hop so it's kind of difficult to like place like specific influences i mean as you were saying earlier like uh music builds off of the past like mm-hmm. oh like jay dilla saw uh these 70 soul samples and put them in donuts and it just kept building and after that we see artists like a tribe called quest and kanye west i mean obviously kanye west's like huge yeah. like he i and mean he's been around for forever yeah Correct i mean that, if i'm wrong but didn't a tribe called quest literally bring up jay dilla like he like did the they? big break was from yeah because that's what i read online is that really at Lollapalooza, one of the front men of a tribe called quest i'm not sure sure which one but literally was like uh jay dilla that set was phenomenal and then started getting him on tracks with like erica badu and like, yeah, a bunch yeah. of other people i mean I, I was just about to say uh erica badu but yeah. i mean yeah i mean you can and like as you see all these artists that I just named, like Tribe Called Quest, Kanye, Common, like you can see how the artists today have built off of them. Like, were we talking about lineages uh, the other day? Like how uh, Jay Z brought up Kanye, Kanye brought up Cudi, or is that someone? That might I think have been that must have been else. something else. But let's um, talk about our post mortem one. Yeah, but I mean, anyways, it's just like it's kind of like this uh, rap family tree, and I feel like. Dilla has his, I mean, pillar, mm-hmm. like, very, very rooted and very, like... Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm more to say, like, I don't know if there's a lot of sampling going on in oh, most recent um, years, too. Well, it's it's not the same type of samples, True. I'd say. Not as obvious. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. as... Not... Obvious sounds bad, saying it sounds yeah. obvious, but you can tell it's like, oh, this is Jackson 5 right here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and that's, that's kind of different because, like... It, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking from, like, more of a mainstream lens. Yes. Which, I mean... Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But there there is a lot of artists that still keep, like, the record flips and the samples, like, close to their heart. Like, I know JPEG Mafia still mm-hmm. oh, yes. experiments with that heavily, even though his music is in, like, totally another realm. It's like... Oh, totally. Yeah. Definitely. Overall loved this i yeah. i really enjoyed that you brought this one up because I'm, I'm, you always give me these interesting new things you too you're mm-hmm. out there with your music taste i feel like the hip-hop world has been like kind of developing things to you and wow. me i i love but, to hear that like i am actually super happy that you guys like this because i don't know when i when i was first talking about it i was like oh, i don't know if they're gonna mess with this it. just like an instrumental album i don't know if we'll have anything to like talk about you know no there's actually but, a lot of uh alternative hip-hop that i listened to recently like i found on spotify stuff that come out in 2018 hmm. and i can definitely hear the influences in this definitely on the indie side for yeah. sure because mm-hmm. they 
it's something that you can work with well as an indie artist, and it just sounds good. It just I mean, sounds good. I mean, to me, this was just like the golden age of hip hop too. Like mm-hmm. the the big grandiose like boom bap type beats. Like it's just I don't know. I can't. Had, had I can't energy. get enough. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The same should... way rock had energy in the '80s, and you know, it's when the time is peak, it's the golden age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. All right, listen to it. Listen to Jay Dilla's Donuts. It's a phenomenal album. Cannot recommend it enough. Yeah. I'm telling you. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Um, thanks for listening to our little conversation we had here. Um, once again, feel free to come see us at MMR. Um, and we're off the air. Signing out. See you guys. All right. See Peace. You.